Thank you for tuning in Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cobb and we're with Comic Tyler Fowler. Tyler Fowler, how the hell are you? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. We follow you everywhere. You are underscore Tyler Fowler on at least Instagram, but also Twitter. Yeah. And uh, you produce, you're one of the three, the power trouble, as you say, of Team Us Comedy. And that is Team Us Comedy Shy on Instagram. But you also have your teamuscomedy.com where each of the power thruple or power trouble uh, has their own kind of informational page. Tell me real quick about what Team US Comedy has been doing as far as producing shows in Chicago for, Chicago for quite a long time. Yeah, it's just me and a couple of uh, good comedian friends. And we just started kind of, um, it started when we first started doing stand-up. Honestly, the, we didn't have a lot of places to perform. So we started kind of making stuff for ourselves. And in the years since then, you know, the three of us have been... <clears throat> Our one friend, Meg, uh, moved out to L.A. And we've been kind of the three of us have been working a lot um, doing stand up kind of everywhere. But we still produce a handful of shows around Chicago. We look for places uh, in the Midwest, look for places that are kind of unique in some way. Uh, we work with some some breweries outside of the city and like, let's say, Wisconsin or Indiana. You say, um, brewer- you say breweries? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. What's it like? Uh, what's it like playing there? Um, it, you know, it's always interesting. Uh, I think breweries in general, I mean, have like a, uh, people who go there are usually there for a good time uh, or, or they're there because they're like, you know, their life is in, in shambles. Uh, so, <laughs> so comedy works out for that for that group, for sure. Um, they're either people who are looking for fun or, or need an escape in some way. Um, yeah, but it's Meg is pretty big out on the West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. Megan Dirty. She lives out in L.A. Super funny. One of, one of the, uh, my best friends and just a great comic. Um, how, yeah, how do you how do you guys all find each other? Like, so early on, were you not getting gigs because you were new, or is it because of kind of a you have some people of color in that power power trouble? Um, uh, mostly, I think because we were new, we were just so new, uh, and we didn't really know you know better that we shouldn't really have been getting a bunch of gigs because we weren't very good. Uh, so we just started kind of doing stuff on our own. Meg and I met; we worked together at an advertising agency and um, they would actually pay for you to take improv classes. So her and I, she kind of convinced me to do that. Um, and that's how I got started doing comedy. Then her and I started doing stand up together, running around, just doing a bunch of open mics in the city together, doing shows together. And then we started hosting um, our own shows and it was kind of, kind of a snowball from there. How many open mics can a Chicago person hit in one night? Uh, man, it really depends. It's good. Monday, you could do probably five or six. Um, mm. Monday's a hot red, red line's running or is it brown or blue? Blue, a lot of the, uh, you kind of got to go a little all over, but definitely there's a lot of stuff on the, on, on the blue line on Monday. Okay. Um, and every night you could do two or three uh, and any given night, Monday's good. You can do a lot on like four or five, six on Monday. And get real crowds or just comedians paying attention uh, to their phone? Uh, yeah, it really depends. A lot of comedians for sure. Um, there are a couple places you can see, get a real crowd. Like on Wednesday, there's a place called Cole's bar that gets a real crowd. Um, on Fridays and Saturdays, there's open mics at a place called the Lincoln lodge. Sure. Um, they Cole, usually get Cole's had crowd. music too, right? Yeah. They do a lot of cool stuff at Cole's. Yeah. yeah. They have a nice little back room. They do a lot of music. They do stand-up shows. They do a, a kind of long standing open mic on Wednesdays. That's they've been there for a long, long, long time. So that's why it's successful. Cause I mean, back rooms usually mean you're not getting anybody, anybody, but the participants, right? Like you're not bringing your own, you know, like it's not built in, you don't have a built in audience. You yeah. They've, they've been there that for room. that one. They've been there for so long. People know yeah. it. It's kind of like a staple of like people go to watch because like, really? it has been, real, real people. it has been, uh, I mean, they, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been going, but it's been like, I want to say Cameron Esposito started it years ago. Oh. And then like, 
through the years, the hosts have kind of, I think Hannibal Burris was involved with it for a long time when he was in Chicago. Like it's been the, the kind of pass through for a lot of people who've gone on to do big things. And then when anyone's in town, it's late on a Wednesday. So big names kind of drop in when they can. Um, and all the good, like best comics in the city will drop in because it's a good place to kind of work out. So people kind of know it as a place to like go see. You certainly see people who are their first time doing stand up and they're brand new, but you also see like some people who are really good. So it's a nice little mix. So it does have like a built in built in audience for that. So like when you and Meg were uh, hitting the open mics back in the day, what were you, what were you talking about on stage then? You, um, not necessarily Meg. Um, um, but then yeah. what, what are you talking about now? Like, you know, how did it differ? How does, you know, the, the album you have out, which is Friends with 401k Benefits, which is hilarious. Like the, I mean, the name's hilarious. I'll check out the yeah. album. But, um, you know, how did the subject matter differ between the album and what you were doing with Meg when you were hitting five or six open mics on Monday? Yeah, that's a good question. I, it's funny. I can't even think about what I was talking about back then. It's probably, it's probably <laughs> it was so thing. unimportant. Right? I wouldn't care to think about it. You know? But it, it also is like, you're so new. You're just trying to be like, whatever's funny. Like yeah. anything that is funny. Like, I don't care what it's about. I don't care. I'm just looking for a joke, which which now I know is kind of misguided. But uh -huh. now I talk a lot about like, you know, things for my life. A lot of like dating and relationships, family, any, like any observation, like any kind of stuff that is like, I try and be like, relatively personal like things that are about me um I, I, i'm trying to think of any truly really, i did early early on i think talk about my family a lot just because it's like it's what you know very well yeah um, and there's so a you lot say of like i mean so you're saying early on it was misguided because you were just trying to get the laugh so whatever yeah. setup and punch you could throw out there but then you're just coming uh, across with inauthentic inauthentic material that's not very personal to you everybody's doing the same shit the comedians in the audience can smell your punchline a mile away and so you're saying the better way to do it is actually to get on stage and just talk about things that are personal to you because then it's if it, if you can't be funny be interesting i thought that's what uh, matt, mm. ruby, matt ruby said once and so i like you're that. getting on and they're yeah. talking about your personal shit or your, your yeah things that are actually happening in your life because that is different from what other people are doing and the laugh might be unexpected right yeah i like that yeah and certainly i think too there was an element of like early on you're just so desperate for a laugh it's like it's not even necessarily stuff that i care think is funny or like my you know is stuff that i'm interested in it's like whatever you guys think is funny it's kind of like letting the audience dictate what you're gonna do it's like whatever you guys like i'll do that you know you're uh -huh. just so desperate to be like please laugh at me please like me Right. And then your, your album becomes, you know, just the worst kind of, the worst collection of, of knee jerk shit, you know, like that's people yeah. talking about, you know, Matt Ruby back in the day that, you know, Adolf Hitler joke. It's like, yeah, like all the open micers do like, yeah, you right, go to right. the extremes of comedy and that's not what your album necessarily should be. It should be about you. Right. So yeah. what, what are the stuff that, I mean, you know, in particular kind of what about your life has kind of stood out as something unique where everybody, everybody's sitting in the audience, like fellow comedians are like, Oh shit, man, that's interesting. That's a cool, interesting chunk that I can't do. But Tyler Fowler, I mean, you're the, I mean, I'm jealous of you for having that unique thing about your yourself or your dating or your family life. Like what's unique about you. That's really slang. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think there's very few things unique or interesting about me. I'm a very <laughs> that's why it's and, and, that never itself is interesting, <laughs> middle, right? So there is some element of that, like yep, yeah, middle of the road white guy. That's that's you know we're all pretty much the same. Uh, but there are a couple things that I latched onto that I'm like, oh, that's something that I think is interesting or like rich about me. Like one of them I've talked about for a while, and I keep kind of playing with is like um, I realized after a few years of like being out of college and like you know all my friends getting married that I've been a groomsman in like ten of their different <sighs> weddings. Wow. And I'm like, that's a unique experience. Like 10 people thought you were a very close friend of theirs yes. and yes. like have you in their wedding. But I've never like 
been married, been in a super serious relationship like that. So to give this very intimate view into people's relationship and their life and their family by like being a part of their wedding. And I like talk to friends, like a lot of people have had that experience. But, like I've done it to such a nauseating degree that I'm like, what is it about me that screams, <laughs> screams like, oh yeah, this guy will take photos with you for four hours on your your middle of the road white guy. I mean, you exactly. exactly. Safe, safe, safe wedding gas, you know, someone to like, I don't know, like entertain the bridesmaids or like make sure things go smoothly. I don't know. <laughs> But I mean, like, um, you know, first of all, when you get married, you have to have 10 groomsmen, right? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Some of these people, I'm, I was in their wedding and I'm like, I don't even know if I'll invite you to mine. Like, we haven't talked <sighs> in years, you know? But it's like, you know, time has passed. And like, yeah. you know, every, every once in a while you get one where someone will ask you to, to be in their wedding. And I'm like, man, you must be digging deep. If yeah. I'm on your list, like, man, that is, uh, that's rough. But uh, wow. And so, yeah, what, what is it about you? Is it, I mean, like, are you, are, you, are you a quality hang? Are you a quality wingman? Like when you look back on your relationships with these people, what, what are you giving off that these people think you're Yeah, I don't know. I should, I should send out a poll and ask everybody, <laughs> what, what, why did you choose me? Um, uh, like, I well, well, I wouldn't again, because you're making me uncomfortable with my decisions. <laughs> right, right. And and like, uh, it's one of those things where you're like, well, I can't really be like, what the hell? We're not that close to friends. Like, it was like, oh, apparently we are. I didn't realize. <laughs> Um, so I have to say yes and kind of think about how I can, you know, reciprocate. Right. Yeah. 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 So we're both kind of news junkies and I want to talk about what can be funny on stage when it comes to current events. Like, are you just, I mean, are you wasting your time up there thinking about some material that's going to be dated in about five minutes or not? Yeah. I try not to write. That's the thing. I, I, I consume so much news, but like, I try not to write stuff that's too topical because I do want something that's going to like be lasting. Yeah. Uh, but I think what I think I'm, I'm being more aware of now is like a lot of stuff like either will last longer than you think, or is like something that's interesting that a lot of people know about, or will like just help you. Um, even if it's not like the joke doesn't always stay like linked to this news story. There's something funny about the situation that you could kind of use in a different way, or just like, it, it's a good skill to build. Like, Oh, just find a funny thing. That's relevant. I really like anything that I can be like, the whole audience understands the setup some way for me to communicate like hey i'm in the same world as you guys i'm, I'm <laughs> so for example, example like you have to generalize a little bit so you think okay well you know this uh, crypto guy he's fucking blowing up in the news for doing something unseemly and so uh but, you know and if it wasn't him it'd be the enron guy before him or the right elizabeth holmes from theranos i should it's fine to now write some corporate uh you know some corporate greed jokes or you know yeah. there's gonna be a new pop star every five seconds so let me generalize a little bit more to you know whoever's uh, you know, just general jokes about the new the the pop star and how that person is melting down or dealing with fame. Yeah, but it's tough though. Like now, the news is so so many people get news from so many different places, and there's just uh, so much stuff happening. Like there are very few things that everybody knows about. Like even like the crypto thing, like the FTX. If I if I went to a you know a club on a Saturday night and said something about there's a, like maybe 25, 30 percent people who wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Especially like being in the Midwest. Like if I'm working in a room in like rural Wisconsin, they're like I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, very few things that are like that's the other part about it's tough for me is like it's there's two sides of that one like you have to be conscious of like what do people what does everyone know and there are are relatively few things in that category or like being in a very quick way being able to explain something like oh we heard about this like FTX situation like there's a guy and that's why like but that specifically that crypto thing is so muddy yeah even if you're following the story closely it's confusing about what but like to let's say again a crowd in rural Wisconsin or like on Indiana or something like that 
to do a joke about the founder of FTX, I'd have to explain what crypto is, yeah. what FTX is, who <laughs> this guy is. It's like, we're into a 15 minute lecture. Like, we've gotten the punchline. So it's like, to me, I'm like, that's not something, maybe a joke that would kill at the Laugh Factory in the shit in the city. Yeah. But I, I can't rely on it to like, you know, take with me anywhere. And even like they abbreviate his name because it's so long. And I've read a tons of articles and I, I think I know him as SBF, but I don't even know his name right now. <laughs> like, so you oh. could say his name and I'd be like, oh, the crypto guy. Okay, now yeah. I get it. But like, I've, yeah. I've even forgotten his name, even though I've read so many articles. Yeah, I forget and, his first name. Bankman Freed is his last name. Yeah, and I yeah. thought it was Sam. I thought the first yeah. name was Sam or something. But um, yeah. so like, you know, what, as far as the type of things that made its way into your album, Friends with, Friends with 401k Benefits, is that on Spotify? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, but also iTunes and stuff like that. You're not like saying you're number one on iTunes. Eh, eh a lot of people have been. But top 10 on Billboard comedy. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was exactly what you said. Everyone is, is number one on iTunes. That is a, such a commodity. But surprisingly, it is to the, to a layperson pretty impressive because they don't oh, know. Sure. Yeah, but, but even like, to like the in, the in crowd, top 10 at Billboard comedy, how hard is that? Um, you would be surprised at how not difficult it is. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, well, it's, you... it certainly is a notch above, uh, spot or, um, iTunes. Right. Oh, good. Okay. But, uh, you know, if you're getting number one on iTunes, you're probably getting, depending on the week, relatively close on, on billboard. Yeah. Um, it just depends on like what else is going on that week. And if you get a lot of like the, the nice thing that I learned when I put out the album is, um, on iTunes, they let you do pre-sales for like months ahead of time. And all those pre-sales count as sales on the first day it comes out. Whoa. So if you can get people, you just make a really long pre-sale period and you get people to do pre-sales over the course of months. All of a sudden it's like, oh, you sold 150 albums in one day. And, and that's, and, iTunes. that's iTunes? Yeah. And but then, the same thing for then Billboard, or it doesn't Billboard, Billboard. Billboard recognizes that. It's like, oh, this all happened today when really it happened over the course of a couple of months. So then they're kind of like, oh, this is, you know, it just makes a bigger splash. And so that's like pre-sales do count on billboard. Yeah. 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 So they both count. I mean, like pre-sales is going to get you number one on iTunes and top 10 on billboard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But that's cool though. Cause I mean, even in crowd, like even me, I was like, Oh, I haven't heard this top 10 of billboard comedy charts. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And that was totally surprised. I did not expect that to happen. Um, it's just billboard. Someone from billboard reached out like the week that, that the album came out was like, Hey, you're, you're getting close to the charts. Like, can you send me some assets? We think you're going to hit um later next week if you keep if you keep moving sales and i was like what like that's crazy i, I did not expect that whatsoever and so um, the way you get them some uh, pictures so they can put you in billboard magazine no they're definitely not going into magazine but they uh they have like an online archive and then they do have it sounded like they have a physical they're like if you have a uh i didn't have physical copies of the album but they do have they're like if you want to send a pressed copy we'll put it in an archive somewhere well, um, which is well, kind of cool. Well, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, like young Tyler Fowler would be like, oh, that's fucking amazing. And I guess yeah. that's my question. Like as far as, you know, young Tyler Fowler or, you know, Tyler Fowler, who's been doing open mics with Meg back in the day, like what, what would they have been surprised at made its way? Like, they'd be like, oh my gosh, that made its way into the album. I had no idea that Tyler Fowler of the future would give a fuck about that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's such a good question. Yeah, it's putting you totally on the spot. No, that's good though. I, I always feel like, <clears throat> like me as a kid would be shocked that like this is what I do. This is my job now. You know that, that I would be really impressed by that. But and also, I feel like I um, <clears throat> I was such a like punkster kid. Like listen to like punk music. Like was really like yeah. I'm such a like the, the establishment isn't cool. Whatever. And now I'm like such a corporate sellout. And I'm like 
I would, me then would be like, what, who are you, dude? What are you talking about? You're doing jokes about being at your office job, you loser, you know? Like, so it's on one hand, I'd be like, man, that's so cool. On the other hand, I'd be like, man, you've changed. You, know? <laughs> you changed, um, man. You put on a tie, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, which is, I think, a good balance to have for sure. But as an open micer, which, I mean, did you even have kind of a career to talk about or were you trying to yeah, that, open mics kinda, exclusively? When I started, I was working in advertising. So I did have oh, like a okay. corporate background. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that I would be surprised then that I'm talking about now. Um, that you have a 401k plan? Yeah, maybe, maybe. The punker yeah. would be like, what, a safety net? I have to retire someday? Right, right. <laughs> but then what's going to be on your next one then? Like, you know, um, I mean, you, you, if you couldn't predict what's going to be on this one, how is you know Tyler Fowler of 2022 going to know what's going to happen with the next album? Yeah, I guess I don't know. That's, that's the exciting thing, right? It's like there's... Uh, Time will tell. There's certainly some things I'm working on now that I'm like, in general, I think it'll be a lot funnier, you know, just because I've gotten okay. better. Um, uh, it's yeah. like, I'm glad the album's out there. It's nice to have a footprint on Spotify and be available online. But I'm like, when people tell me they listen to it, I'm always like, oh, well, I promise I've gotten much better. You know, it's like things have changed. It's been years since that happened. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, you know, what about your, your delivery or your pacing was different than it is now? Um, it definitely was a little, my, like, especially like delivery and pacing was like, I was a lot quicker and like, just more nervous. I was just so uh, new. I was way too new to be doing an album. I I'm aware of that now. Um, but so why, why'd you feel ready to do it? How many years were you in? I was like two years in. And the, the only reason it really came together is because my two friends, Meg, and then our friend Vic Pondia, the three of us did it together. So oh. it was like, we each only did like 20 or 25 minutes and we strung it together into an hour. And, oh. and the idea at the time, it was like a cool concept for us. Um, and uh, we were just excited to do it. Now it's like, you know, I don't know that I would have, I would have waited maybe a little while, but again, are you saying they all, they all are in, uh, like, this album is like a three, a three artist album. Yeah. So we each have a version of it that's out there with just our portion. And then we have one that cuts between the three of us. So it'd be like one person introduces, let's say like dating as a topic. And then the other two also hit on that. And the other person introduces uh-huh. family and the other two hit on that, like that kind of thing. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I was just talking with Jason Melton. I thought he was I don't know, six to 10 years in before he recorded his. Yeah. And so, and so you, you kind of look back and you're like, man, I was a little bit sped up there. Well, and I know now that that's the right timeline. Like <laughs> 10 years, you know, uh, which is, uh, I mean, lesson learned, I suppose. But does then that mean you have to wait or not? You have to wait, you know, it'll take six years for you to feel comfortable making a second album. Um, yeah, I, I do think I'm trying, I want to wait. Um, until I'm really, really comfortable because like the first one I think was so, was a little rushed. I don't want to rush the second one. You know, I'd almost rather be too late than too early, not too late, you know, later than, than I would expect than, than too early yeah. um, with another one. And it's just like, I want it to be rock solid, you know, just something I'm really happy with for a long time. So what, what comedians do you think put together a rock solid hour? Cause I, I think it varies, man. It varies. Like I can like, somebody could be top four in Mount Rushmore in my comedy, you know, stand up comedy thing and be like, Nope. That one fell off. This person tested it in front of nobody. Like, yeah, especially during cor- especially during coronavirus. I was like, nope, yeah. you did not test that in front of as yeah. many people. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you got rid of all the people who were telling you no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, I mean, there's there's so many people out there. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Mike Birbiglia, and oh, sure. he's someone that like every time he puts something out, it's like you could tell he meticulously works on it. You could see like I, I've seen him on the road a couple times, and he. Um, the show is different then than when he records it. You can see the, the evolution of it, right? Uh, um, which is cool to watch. 
And, and I, think, I think he's fairly solid across. You know, I think he's yet to fall off. I think now. Right. I, I think and, and I, had, like, I had Eliza in my top four and she fell off. And I almost think yeah. where Bigley took her, took her place. Yeah. And he's one that like, you know, he, he has a couple of albums like um, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend and some of his earlier like storytelling shows that like were so good. It's like, yeah. how, do you, how do you maintain this level of quality? And he's done a decent job of it, I think. You know, he's, yeah. he's always exploring something new. He's still, the thing I like about him the most is he does these kind of like long storytelling shows, but it's still at the core of it, just set up punchline stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like he's doing yeah. jokes. His very first album, Two Drink Mike, is one of my, it's before he was really doing storytelling shows is one of my favorite stand-up albums of all time. Like, it's just joke after joke after joke, and it's so good. And to me, I see that as, like, that was the foundation for all the stuff he went on to do. It's like, first, I'm going to get really good at writing and performing jokes, and then I can make these, like, stories and talk about my life. And I think that's why he plays with, with time so much, because I was watching my girlfriend's boyfriend, I think, yesterday. Yeah. But I've seen it so many times that I actually, I think it turned it off. Um, but, like, it's almost like he goes into a story and he messes with time. Like, he talks about getting T-boned, right? Yeah, yeah. Go, well, we have, you know, it's because I was pissed off my girlfriend. Let's talk about how we met. And I must think, like, he's doing it because he has to slip punchy bits yeah. into longer stories. And that's why he's toying with time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do think he's, like, using it as a setup to get to jokes. Yeah. And I think he's also, like, kind of playing with us to be, like, okay, I'm going to make you forget about this and then I get to come back to it later. Yeah. Know? All yeah. these different themes. So are you doing anything like that? You're doing storytelling or no? No, you know, it's a skill that I don't, I'm not very strong at. It's something I'd like to work on for sure. Um, for a couple of reasons. Like when I see stuff like that, I'm just very impressed by it. Yeah. But also like the way I write jokes now is so like, I'll write a joke I love, a new joke, and it's maybe adding 30 seconds to my act. I'm like, if I could write a story and add five minutes at a time, it's yeah. just like, it's such, a, I've done only done stories a couple of times on stage. And, but it, being able to do that, I'm like, especially if I'm on the road headlining, it's like that gets me so much further. If I can tell even three or four minute story to otherwise, that's like 25 jokes, you know, like I'm, it's so, so much time. So, I mean, have you mined your, your life for stories yet? Because I mean, if you're talking about dating and relationships and stuff, I mean, I, I just can't, I just don't know if there's huge stories in it, but there has to be a young Tyler Fowler with your punk period where you had yeah. some funny ass shit. There's a couple of things that I've played with as stories that I'm like trying to flesh out that I think are funny and like interesting. Um, I, I, my natural instinct is to take a story and boil it down into one anecdote. That's like a, uh, set up punchline joke so i'll take something that could be a longer story and make it into a really strong joke but it's again 30 seconds or a minute um and i what i want to try and start doing is is letting those breathe a little more and just be a little bit longer form about like oh can i actually tell the story behind this observation or behind this joke so where do you test that out like we're in chicago and like you know you're not uh, you have a lot of like you know road dates and i suppose uh what team uh, here i gotta look at all your socials again yeah team us comedy i mean you're doing corporate gigs too but like there you can't test out kind of taking a, a short punchy anecdote and, and lengthening it so where are you working yeah on that? that's the toughest thing is like finding out that's why i feel like i i stray so far away from doing stories it's just hard to work something like that out yeah um, there's a couple places in the city that are good to like work we have a couple like storytelling shows like stand like where stand-ups do stories or we there are like other places where you can do like a longer like open mic set um where, where, where is that where is it can you there's a great or... storytelling show at the lincoln lodge on saturdays i think it's seven called uh, campfire stories that's a good one oh, yeah. um 
And there are just a couple others that like where you can get a chance. There's a good open mic on Monday. It's called 8-Bit where you get eight, eight minutes to do one bit or one kind of thing. So that's a great place to be like, oh, I have a story that lasts longer. I, instead of getting three or four minutes at an open mic where I just want to do joke, 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 I can kind of sit back and like really work this out. Um, so I've been trying to do stuff like that. And then there's other shows where I can be like, yeah, I'm, I, I know I have a chance to work out. If I'm on the road doing 45 minutes or an hour, and it's going well, I'll go great. I'm going to, towards the back third, I'm going to slide in a five minute story and just see how it works. If it's it can tough to balance that when you're doing, it's tough to balance that when you're doing that long of a set of just stand up. Like, okay, all of a sudden I'm telling a story, <laughs> but it is like, it's one of those things I kind of have to force myself to do. It's like, and, and the story does have a lot of punchlines in it. I always, I'm, I'm certainly not up there just kind of waxing poetic, but. Um, I wonder if you could take an earlier chunk and kind of make it appear like a story. Just do it, yeah. like, you know, pretend like Birbiglia never really had these overarching stories, you know, just right. be like, you know, oh, I'm going to tell you a story now and then slip a chunk in. I'm going to tell yeah. you a story now, slip a chunk in, and then that way yeah. when you get into your stories, they won't be so surprised. But we follow him everywhere. We can't wait for that next album, what, six years out, where he's going to be telling nothing but stories. We yeah. follow him at Ty- Tyler Fowler, underscore Tyler Fowler, Instagram yeah. and Twitter, but also Team Us Comedy. When's the next Team Us Comedy show? Um, that's a good question. We do a show Friday, every Friday, Saturday night, um, at a place called the comedy clubhouse in uh, Wicker park in Chicago. And Megan, um, Meg is just too big for it right now. She's too big. She's, she's <laughs> big Hollywood on us. Uh, <laughs> but she, she won't forget you in the trenches, man. Back when you guys were. Oh no, never, mics, right? never, never, never. And we still try and like, you know, we'll go out there once or twice a year and she, she goes in Chicago quite a bit. Um, so, so we, we get together as much as we can. She'll hook you up with the, the LA shows. Right, exactly. Do hell yeah. Tyler Fowler, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. This is fun.